Welcome to another episode of Threads of Enlightenment. It is my honor to have our guest today. Uh, we actually had a chance to chat and I deeply appreciate her and her message. And so I, it is with honor that I want to thank Doc for coming and sharing such precious commodity, which is time. Many of us, as I've said before, do not know how to utilize that commodity until we find ourselves facing the eternal realm. But uh, I want to thank you for your time. The other is your journey. It housed who you were and made you who you are today. And we are honored that you're welcome to come and share that so that we can partake of your journey so that we also can grow and become better human spirits while we are here on this planet. Doc, welcome to Threads of Enlightenment. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ken, for this opportunity. It's an honor for me to be here. Thank you so much. I am so looking forward to our conversation. I want you to tell the people uh, some of those things that you have given birth to at this time. And I tell them, I always say that phrase at this time, because I know folks like yourself and myself is that as we gain more revelation as to who we are, we are then able to put it out and bring it. So it changes as we grow. So tell them that what you have given birth so far in your journey. Okay, so before beginning, I would like to introduce myself. My name is yes. Praveena. Praveena, I'm a certified mental health and awareness practitioner. So what have I given birth to? Currently, I have a program called the Narcissistic Victim Empowerment Technique Framework. I help people who have experienced a traumatic childhood growing up with narcissistic parents. So this is what currently that I'm doing in my life journey right now, mm -hmm. helping people to come out of this traumatic childhood where they've grown up in a toxic environment being with narcissistic parents. That is a powerful uh, message. And I've mentioned to you, it is a needed one because we are seeing some changes within our society and we're hearing the conversation about narcissists and all of this is uh, crescendoing, if you will. You hear this thing begin to rise as you look and see all the different uh, people that are partaking in it. So you must have had some experience with this. So what we do here at Threads of Enlightenment, Doc, is to go back because you had mentioned childhood trauma. And we usually start there with our guests to walk with us. Um, your childhood, tell us a little about yourself as to your first place by which you reside as a human spirit being here on this planet. What was your family unit like? What was your house like? Okay. So my journey begin with me not knowing where I came from. So... That would be, if if that's the question that I would like to answer is, uh, I am an adopted child. Mm -hmm. I got to know this truth in a very painful manner. It was um, it was quite excruciating in that sense that when my parents told me this, my current parents told me this, they said that um, I have to be grateful for whatever that has been given. So let me begin, Ken, with saying that life did not make sense to me even at a very, very young age. Mm. I had to wake up and think about how am I going to survive this day? I was at a very, very young age when I had this thought process simply because any wrong word or any wrong action will trigger a sort of a, of a chaos at home. And it will always end up with me being blamed by saying that I'm not a grateful child. This was at a very young age. I still remember it's probably around seven or eight years old when I started realizing that there's something not right. And every day I have to wake up articulating my, my conversation. I have to play this in my mind. Um, what am I going to say to mom? Okay, if I say this, is she going to get angry? or not or is there something mm. going to go wrong somewhere now, that kind of a, what they call it as trading on eggshells yeah that was yeah. what how life was 
for me since a very young age. And in case if something goes wrong, I will constantly be reminded. Even if there's nothing wrong in that particular day, it's about to end. I'll constantly be reminded saying that the only best thing that has happened to you in life is we being your parents. You are adopted. You've been brought uh, brought to us and you have to show gratefulness appreciate we you have to appreciate what we have done for you and and those kind of conditioning thoughts has yeah. been instilled in me at a very very young age and what i have developed personally from this journey from the very beginning is to to try to prove them wrong mm. to try to prove that i'm worthy and how I've coped up with this is, is by a term called fawning, which is people pleasing. I got to know about this at the later stage of my life, yeah. where I try to please them at every possible way to not make any mistakes, to, to, to excel in studies. Even if there was something wrong with me at that day at a school, at the school when I'm being bullied, yeah. I, I will not say those things. I will come back home and pretend to be a person that I'm not because showing moods in my family is not allowed. I cannot be resisting what my mother has asked me to do or my dad has asked me to do. It is something that, that I had to live a constant fake life yeah. from time to time. And at what point of a time, Ken, when you keep on pretending to be who you are you are not it becomes very tiring life becomes so you you become very tired and it's so uh, disappointing to even even start the day there's mm -hmm. so much of fatigue so much of depression so much of anxiety panic attacks and my only solace at that time this is even before being a teenager that age span of 7 to 12 is just to cry cry and i used to call out the universe i don't know at that time i will just say is this all there is to life maybe i was a bit more matured in that sense because of mm -hmm. all this conditioning i used to call out to that an invisible presence saying that is is this all there to life i mean sometimes i just feel that i don't want to wake up and and life goes on day to day. It was a struggle. Yeah. So yeah, I had to tread on eggshells and and move on with life just like that, Ken. And you did this all the way into um, as you're moving through. You said a young girl, seven, uh, seven or so, and dealing with this intense trauma, uh, the verbal communication from your family. Um, and it began to affect you and you began to internalize it. And uh, as you're moving through your life and going into school, how did you deal with that um, trauma from the home? How did you deal with others in relations to you with them? How did you communicate to them? What were your thoughts and feelings towards others outside of your family? Oh, when I started having this chaos at home, when I went out, I turned out to be a snobbish person, very arrogant in that sense. I I tend to be little people. When I bring in this, you know, I try to I try to show off that I'm good. It is all yeah. an internalization process yeah. because mm -hmm. I had to prove myself worthy somehow. So when I go out, I try to be the best in everything. I try to do many things. I was a bookworm. I I had very little friends because people don't want to talk to me. I try to intimidate them. <laughs> I can't do this at home because yeah. at home, people, yeah. when, when I try to say something, mother will somehow rather come up with a, with a comeback statement to put me really low. Then I, had, I have to go to the corner and cry. But when I go to school, 
people see me and they get intimidated. So it's it's that's the payback time that I get, you see, when people, I do not have that many friends and I'm okay with yeah. it. You know, I'm exclusive. Yeah. It's all right. It's that that is a sort of a coping mechanism that I had. And yeah. true enough, because I needed to prove myself worthy or else if my report card is of, of bad grades, I might get uh, some sort of a thrashing and verbal humiliation, which which I cannot even dare to think about right now. But I wanted to prove myself worthy, so I, I got good grades. I excelled in school. There was no question in that. My mother and father used to brag about me all the time. That is my coping mechanism. I had to mm-hmm. channel it in a way that they have to be happy about me, and I don't mind having no friends. So this snobbish, arrogant, um, sarcastic being, yeah. Yeah. That was who I was growing up, being a child, being a child growing up into teens. That was yeah. who I was. So when they, um, these, your parents, when they began to brag on you with this one specific area being your grades, how did it make you feel? Because again, you wanted to please them. What did it do to you when you heard them um, bragging, if you will? about your accomplishment in that area? I did. I was so happy. The only thought that I had in my mind at that time was to be the best daughter in the world. It's always a metaphor for me because my mother said, I'm always the best mom in the world. So I have to, I conditioned myself thinking that I have to be the best daughter in the world. So when my mother bragged, I became even more more excited about it and I and I did so many things to please her but however can the the turning point here is that no matter however much I've done a great achievement for the day example I came back home and said that I scored full in all my test marks I scored a hundred here hundred there in maths and science and this and that and at the end of the day she will come up with one statement saying that Remember, this is all because of us. Uh, Don't go around uh, thinking that you're so great. This is all because of us. If not for us, you would have been in an orphanage still. You wouldn't have had an identity. So this is the statement that I hear every day. With whatever achievement, whatever major event that has happened, at the end of the day, I will still get this statement. So it gives me that that lack feeling, that, mm-hmm. that sense of not feeling good enough. Maybe I've not done enough. That is why she keeps on reminding me of this. Maybe I need to do more. I, I constantly try to seek that self-worth and self, that self-validation. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, that statement brought me down back to earth, you would say. <laughs> yeah. That's a cruel thing to say to a young person, to anyone, um, because if that person is not strong enough and looking at you and the fact that you're here today, you were strong enough. Some people will internalize that and turn on themselves in the sense where they began to um, hurt themselves. Um, and some people even uh, commit suicide because of words like that. And so. Um, that is one of the reasons why I'm so glad you're here so that those that are listening to this conversation will not feel that they're alone. There is someone that you can hold hands with, and I'm sure Doc wouldn't mind holding hands with you and walking with you to help you out. So this girl is migrating. She's growing up. She uh, is having some difficulty relaying and dealing with people. Now you're moving forward and you're coming into heading into college, if you will. What made you pick the field of study that you did? Um, what was that conversation, whether it's an internal one with you or someone else? What was it that caused you to go towards that field? So in an attempt to, to prove myself worthy, mm-hmm. I decided that I shall not be dependent on them for any means, especially financial assistance. From the place where I come from, uh, private education is expensive. It's very expensive. 
and uh, we had to strive to get the government seat public education is cheap and and it's affordable and it's also exclusively limited in that sense so growing up i decided that i should be the one you know being um, self uh, sufficient i should not be yeah. depending on my dad or my mom for any sort of financial assistance and i should prove that that i can do this you know that again that that self uh, seeking validation yeah. manner came into me and that's how i managed to get this good grades and you know to come up with with a with a good testimonial so i got uh, i got an entrance to the public university and uh, without without just using solely my grades with my with yeah. my uh, achievement and things so that's how i got into the public university that was my first step internally mm-hmm. i was very happy yeah although although i couldn't say that out loud because she yeah. would come up with yeah. some sort of a statement to just you know <laughs> counter attack that but uh, till the very end i did not depend on my dad or mom for any sort of financial assistance to for my education so even in that it was actually a creepy sense of delight i would like to admit that Yeah. you know when she keeps on saying that it's because of us it's because of us i was like my education my things is is not because of you you know but i say this to myself yeah yes i so. mean it's it's <laughs> kind of creepy in that sense but but yeah i i had to do it it's it's a survival mode thing that we get into so i did not depend on my parents for financial assistance even that was also being spoken in public by my mom when she sees relations and all it's like oh this girl she did it all by herself but then at the back oh because yeah. we gave you a life like this so so or else you wouldn't even have get this university education you know there's some facility yeah. that will come to put herself uh, or yeah. himself at, at the forefront it's it's always like that can so yeah wow. so to counter attack that i i managed to get into the tertiary education without the financial assistance so that was a personal achievement for me yeah i don't think it was creepy i think it was brave and it showed your determination and it helped you to propel yourself out the beginnings if you will from under the control and you saw that and you reveled in it internally which you should have because of where you came from um all of this you mentioning your mother what was your relationship with your father um was it any different or was it similar that you were having with your father with the same as your mom honestly ken i couldn't remember my father in any of this simply because he was not involved Yeah. The dynamics in our family is as such that mom must be made happy. Mom is happy, everyone else is happy. <laughs> you get that? Yeah. <laughs> so, so dad will put me and my brother as the shield so that yeah. he stays at the back. Yeah. So it's always us getting that brunt of mom's uh, trashing or harsh words because dad always keeps himself protected by keep giving his making his children as a shield now when yeah. you come to think about it saying this right now right now i'm so detached from the whole situation i can say it with a smile but yeah. if it was 20 years ago and and i say this to people it's actually a it's it's a very very um, painful thing to say because you have adopted a being mm-hmm. a helpless being that looks upon you for guidance and who in their right mind would actually put their children in the face of trouble yeah how would you see a child being trashed and spoken to with with disrespect vulgarity and abuse and you stand behind and see the whole thing without reacting Yeah. It it sounds it sounds not right, isn't it? It sounds very cruel. But right now, I can see my dad for who he is. He was also trying to escape the situation. So, yeah. so yeah, it's funny uh, how yeah, the dynamics with parents and how because I, I I I totally understand this the structure of the family unit. So here you are. You're you've achieved much. I mean, this is a major milestone. within a young girl 
that uh, a family constantly reminded her of um, uh, or putting her in her place, if you will. And this young girl internalized and she pushed through. She made this major accomplishment. You're now in school and you got there and by your school and your wits and your, your mind. Now that you're there in school and you're getting to meet all of these people, uh, different culture, different belief systems, how did they line up with yours? as you were having conversation with them in school, and I'm sure they're talking about their family and you're sitting there listening. How was those type conversation and what, it did, what did it do to you, Doc, being away from that situation, but still connected, if you will? So at first I was homesick. When mm. I'm in this trap, I'm fakely attached to my mom or dad would say because yeah. without them there's a lost I, yes. I lost that rope so when they sent me to the hostel I was actually the most homesick child I was crying constantly it was so embarrassing it was wow. then and I saw other kids were perfectly normal they had mm -hmm. perfect conversations with their parents they don't cry every time like me. It's like I've lost something huge in my life. If I think about that moment, it's kind of embarrassing right now. But yes, and after some time, I kind of gelled into the environment. I, I noticed that, that kids, my, my friends, my university mates, they were having conversation freely. Mm -hmm. What I mean is that, when I want to say something, I try, I internalize that conversation and yeah. it, I'm so afraid to speak simply because yeah. I'm afraid that I might say the wrong sentence or the wrong statement and I might be made a fool. Yeah. That's, that's how I was. And when I see people communicating, when I see they were very independent, they had, they had so many things in their life, which, which I never had. And it's, mm -hmm. it's an eye-opener. And that's when I started to slowly come out of the shell. But Ken, the worst thing is I had to still live with white lies because I'm yeah. embracing this new freedom, you see. So whenever I get a yeah. call from home, <laughs> there's another story. <laughs> yeah. So I've adapted to that white lie kind of a life. Yeah. So that was a little hilarious at that time. But I started enjoying, oh, this is how life is without, you know, my parents constantly reminding me of something. You know, at times I was brave enough not to take their calls, although yeah. that was also a big uh, guilty yeah. feeling inside. Oh my God, I'm not answering my mom and dad. But yeah, then I yeah. started getting used to that, that, uh, that life. Yeah. Yeah. So as you began to, um, change the filter, if you will, because I, uh, you came out and you were filtering your thoughts home, dealing with your family as you began to unclick those little pieces to unfilter, to take away all of the filters and you are migrating towards a more of a open-minded, uh, speaking your mind and your internal voice, giving it um, a chance to truly speak. As you began to move there, do you kind of remember Doc, the time around where your filters were released and you were able to now communicate where you gave yourself permission to speak honestly from the internal you? Do you remember that time and what was it that these situations that brought you to that place where you were be able to speak unfiltered, if you will? So I was most expressive at work. So now I'm I'm done with graduation. I'm now at work. I was mm -hmm. most expressive at work. I was much more free with people outside than when I'm inside the house. So when I came back after graduation and stuff, I continued my tertiary education, masters and and uh, doctoral degree after that. But now I was at home. 
So now I'm leading a double life. It was no more the hostel life anymore. Now I'm leading yeah. a double life. At outside, I'm I'm this this talkative, always laughing at silly jokes, and I make silly jokes as well. I I that was a different person personality altogether. But when I'm yeah. back home, I have to portray myself as a person who is who is always ready to listen to my mom yeah. or to my dad. So it was a double personality. My life was getting a bit tiring. It was kind of yeah. a depression, anxiety, that kind of a thing. And there was also a major dip in my life after that. So after graduation, I started working and I did my part-time studies in that sense for masters and all. And dad uh, lost his contract. His contract ended and it was not renewed. And now the family's responsibility the whole family's responsibility has fallen on my shoulders it mm. was a big burden but as you know me it was again another creepy sense of delight I was like oh yeah. finally <laughs> <laughs> my brother was studying and and my mom was not working and she's a housewife and dad lost his job and, and I said I told bravely don't worry I'm here I can take care so, Ken, you wouldn't imagine this. I took multiple jobs. I was doing wow. my doctoral and at that time yeah. I was a tutor. I was an insurance agent. I, I did so many things. There were two things here. One, because I wanted to support the family. Second, mm -hmm. because I wanted to be out of the house as much time as possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, it, it kind of got a bit painful because mom now became became very toxic. So, she she can easily say words without thinking and it it there's a lot of toxic energy in that environment you know when you stay yeah, yeah. at the house for quite some time with with people constantly spewing toxicity you will feel that the mm -hmm. environment is so dark yes and you wouldn't want to spend your time there so i got out as much time as possible but it did not end there because i was going on a burnout at that sense yeah. I had to manage multiple things and it, things were not right. And one day, I was having a sleepless night. I was finishing a research and I, I was having a sleepless night. The next day, I had to go early and she was screaming at my ears. You know, you're a useless daughter. Useless. Until, until that day, she was mm -hmm. calling me a useless daughter. I was supporting the family. I was doing this, doing that. And she, she was like, she will always say this. Don't think you're doing something great, you see. You know, we have done so much for you. This is nothing. What you're doing is nothing. Uh, by the time I got used to it, it's, it's kind of a usual dialogue. And I just walked out. That one day, she called me. I was so, so dazed. I was, I was about to, you know, I had lack of sleep. And there was so many deadlines for me to, to meet and she called when I was driving and said that you are always a useless daughter shrieking at my ears so loud at that time I actually had a suicidal thought I was like I can't take this anymore how much more what what more can I do what more can I do to prove myself I was Feeding through, there was this long trailer in front of me. I thought, maybe I just ram into this and, and just let me end my life. End my life. This is just one spot. I'm wow. gone. And I did that. I did that. And at that moment, there was a loud commanding voice telling me to stop. It was mm. so loud and commanding. I heard it ringing in my ears. Stop. And what happened was the car eventually stopped. Wow. But the thing here is, the turning point here is it was not a, a magic kind of a thing. I forgot to fill in the fuel. My sedan ran out of fuel. <laughs> that is a magical thing, don't you think? I mean, what you were about to do, um, I, I think it's a magical <laughs> thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was so sleepy. I forgot to fill in the fuel and I wanted to commit suicide and I had my mom shrieking at my ears. It was so many things at that one point. And yeah. That is a yeah. beautiful story, dog. <laughs> you know, it is a beautiful story, I think. Yeah. 
Um, so here you are, because I was going to ask you, when did it, how yeah. did the crash and burn happen? Because I knew it's going to happen. So when you crashed and burned, what happened? We saw that your, the attempted um, uh, suicide, that uh, blessing, that the gas was not there, absolute blessing, you know. When that space happened, I knew things began to change there. What did you begin to change right there, Doc, realizing I was about to kill myself? The gas is gone. I got saved. What if, how do I live from here now? What do I do? That voice gave me a confidence that I'm always mm -hmm. guided. I don't yeah. know whether many will resonate with this, but that is the truth. Yeah. The voice that has come has given me a chance to, to, to relive life. It, it felt like that it was a moment of rejuvenation and it, it gave me a lot of clarity in that sense. That yeah. we are always guided and there's someone that's looking after us and everything that has happened is not because of chance. There must be a reason why I'm going through this. So yeah. I accepted that as it is and I started living life being a, much more indifferent in that sense. I started mm -hmm. not processing the words or it It was more like if, if you splash water on me, I was like, yeah, okay, and I'll just move on. That's what yeah. the voice voice gave me, to not to not burden my mind and thoughts with a lot of chaos. I started yeah. being indifferent. So gave me a lot of clarity, gave me a lot of focus. And after a few years, I was at a marriageable age. Uh, mm -hmm. As Asian parents, it is their responsibility to find a groom. That's what my parents thought. But in my family dynamics, it's not it's not a right thing to to give them to find a groom. Yeah. As you yeah. already know, they have very peculiar criteria whereby yeah. the groom should be just next door, should be within that residential area. And I was like, this is so not going to happen. <laughs> So I what found that as a ticket to escape. Yeah. Good. You 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 found your ticket to escape. Um, how did you uh, when you make that decision to escape? How did you simple. feel? What did you what what happened? Oh, it was simple, Ken. So they started finding a groom for me, and because mm -hmm. I'm so used to you know living. Living like this, I, I used to go out and all. I told my friends, my parents are looking for someone. Do you guys know anyone? It was just me promoting myself. I'm at a marriageable yeah. age. Do you? <laughs> it, was, it was kind of hilarious at that time. Before yeah. my mom ends up with someone someone who's just like me, I, I yeah. got an idea that they were looking for a guy who was just like me. Yeah. You know, listening to the parents and, and not saying anything about it. So... My friend introduced me to my current husband. He's mm. my life partner right now. Yeah. And um, and we got to know each other. Even the dates were with white lies. I was saying something else and I was doing something <laughs> else. Just so you know. And yeah. he's, he's a wonderful person. And finally, after so many years, I actually found the courage to speak up to my mom saying that this is the person that I found. And this mm -hmm. is who I want to live my life with. And she was hysterical. Yeah. She and dad, both of them were hysterical and they started cursing and all sorts of mm. vulgarity, abuse, this and that. Because of this clarity that I have in mind, this newfound clarity, I did not give a damn. <laughs> I just moved on. And yeah. I said, I am funding my marriage, man. <laughs> Why <Yeah>. must I <laughs> listen to this? And I just walked out. I just yeah. walked out. Not to say that that ended there. Even with with me leaving them after marriage, it was still, you know, that, that total escapade was not there. I was still yes. having that, that guilt mm -hmm. and all this. It took me some time to recover. After yeah. marriage was when I discovered the term narcissism. Before that, yeah. I did not know there was such a thing. Yeah. So we took control term. away from them. You started taking control because a narcissist, one of the things that they uh, value and love 
is absolute dominance or control over uh, people. And so as you began to slowly strip that away from them, no wonder that the last major thing about you choosing your husband, I knew from the cultural side of it, you were breaking all kinds of rules on top of the fact that they were narcissists. It must have been a wonderful conversation that they had with you uh, when you walked out and, and um, it, it colored with so much uh, uh, flattery, I, 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 <laughs> I want to say. So when you got there, Doc, because I could tell, I, I'm laughing because I know how important that is in the culture. And then on top of what you did, uh, taking in the fact that they are narcissists, you took away one of the major things that we said earlier is that control factor that they seek. As you began to gain knowledge being away from it, um, and now looking back, what did you begin to see? And how did you begin to recognize you and the changes that were necessary for you um, to make, to begin to um, release yourself 100% from the control, even though there's threads still there, it, it, you know, and you have to learn, like you said, it takes time. As you learn, you have to um, cut those threads. What was that like for you being this woman now, been through so much, and having to make those other final decisions to cut things off? After getting married, I I discovered this term called narcissism. It was by chance. Yeah. Because even my husband did not understand what was going on. He's yeah. never met a personality as colorful as my <laughs> family, as my parents. Yeah. So we did not understand what was going on. And it is by chance that I came upon the term narcissism. And when I started reading all the characteristics, the traits and you know, all the checkboxes, everything matched. And I was yeah. like, wow, there is such a personality and there is there is pe there are people who are like my yes. mom out there. And that was actually uh, an eye-opening moment. It was an aha moment for me. Mm. That's when actually things made sense. Yeah. All this while I was like sailing through life, moving on. It's okay. Fine. She's just like that. But when I managed to put a name to it, yeah. things became so bright and clear and I decided I have to dive into this. I want to know what this narcissism is and is yeah. there, are there parents who are narcissists? Yes, they are. So I kept mm -hmm. on reading, researching, going through all this, this, all those terms that I've learned about fawning, flying monkey, projection, manipulation, yeah. gaslighting, triangulation. Oh my God, it's a whole <laughs> new library by itself. And when you realize that, Slowly, and also with mindset techniques, I also yeah. seek help outside with, with the life coach and all. When you have your mindset techniques, there is a way to condition your mind yes. to heal from it. Yes. And that's, I took, I proactively took steps to, to, to get out of this situation in the sense that it's all internal. When the big truth came out that it's actually mm -hmm. an internal internalization process it made it easier for me to to come out of this and i totally snapped out of it i i used to have panic attack when she calls even after yeah. marriage i'm yeah. having dinner with my husband and i see her call and i'll be like oh my god mom mom okay <laughs> okay don't make noise uh, i'm not at home <laughs> you're not here oh and my husband was like, you're with me right now, right? <laughs> what is this? It, it's so childish, you know? Yeah. Even after after going through all these courses, this life coaching and, and many other things that I, I went through, my husband was a great support in that sense. And here I am. And now, when I think back about it, think back about all those incidents, it is... Yeah. 
I wouldn't say it's it's. Uh, I would say it's hilarious for me personally. That's that's what I can think of because yeah. when when you say this to someone, people people in the same experience must be like, how can you say that? It's so painful. It's, yes, yeah. it is painful, but I had to go through it. There must be a reason. There must be a bigger reason behind this. So that's yeah. how I got out of it. You no, know, by understanding, realizing the situation. It's more of an yeah. an acceptance kind of a thing. I I have a a belief that the reason why people go through certain things and the hardships and so forth is because they can be trusted with the journey, meaning that they will submit to the process to the journey to come out of the, of the other side because of the purpose. I believe that voice that you heard knew that there are many people that will be in need of what you are going through and that you would be able to put it into a format by which you will, I believe what is, as we mentioned before, the ultimate prize that we get to live through and from while we're here on this planet. And that is servant. I believe that the call is for servants and for one to become a servant. You have to go through these painful situations and issues in life so that when you come out, you can truly empathize with someone that is in that situation. And when you speak to them, you have this beautiful embrace with your words and your love. They can sense that. And when they sense that, they can then relax and allow the healing process through the words that you would offer them, through the energy of comfort, through a smile, a touch, a glance, where they are putting themselves within a state to receive what you have to say. And when you receive what you have to say, it will impact them and move them out. And because you were, tr you can be trusted now, you went through it so that you, that type of scenario that I just mentioned will be impactful to help someone else out of their situation. And so that's my belief from, I've, I've interviewed thousands of people and the common thread of the servanthood, I absolutely love that we are able to enjoy that because life from there is different than life from anywhere else. So here you are, Doc. Um, you were chosen and you've gone through. You were able to identify what it was and, and be able to then begin to study and gather the understanding of it. As you began to gain that knowledge um, and you began to uh, see, as you said, uh, some of the things within yourself, you mentioned you use tools, you got the teacher, you got the coach, you got, what were some of those other tools that you utilized to help you navigate through the pain of your trauma? What were some of those tools? Empowerment techniques, mindset calibration. Mm -hmm. These are the tools that I've used. Empowerment yeah. techniques simply because as a child, I told you that I had this, this very strong defense mechanism of proving something that's proving that yeah. I'm worthy. So that mm -hmm. has been ingrained, ingrained in me. So when I grew up and, and I started developing this framework for myself, I realized what I had was actually an empowering thing. Mm -hmm. The thing that I had to do is just minus that, that, that burden that I associate myself with this empowering technique. Yeah. By changing that situation to suit yourself and to fuel your personal development and success and growth. Mm -hmm. That is the thing that I study deeply into this empowerment technique. The second yeah. one is mindset recalibration. 
Yes. When somebody says something to you, you are not going to process it internally to say that they are directing it to you and it's because of when when somebody says that that you are worthless, you are useless. The words is just thrown by them. Mm-hmm. But how we take it from there and we process it and we visualize it and we give a whole new picture to it, it's all on us. It's yes. only 5% from there. Yeah. Maybe it's just 1%. I don't know. Some sort of a percentage I'm giving there. But the thing yeah. is, the rest of the work is done by us. Yes, I agree. So the us is, is this being here. And when this being is able to control their mind, you just, mm-hmm. or your ability to stop the, the words from, yes. from coming to you is all up to you. There's, there's nothing out there that you cannot do. Yes. See, so the mindset calibration, all this this painful thoughts, negative self-talk, this, this you know, this, this anger of wanting to become someone. I would say that, that I was filled with a lot of anger at that time. You know, I have to yeah. prove myself. I did not do that. Yes, I could have been fueling my self-development, but I need mm-hmm. not attach all those emotions to it. So yeah. those those are the tools. And third one I would like to add is towards the towards the healing process is to learn how to forgive. I'm yeah. not saying forgive your parents or guardians or whoever that has hurt you. The forgiveness comes within. Forgive yeah. yourself for processing, for forgiving yourself such a hard time. Yeah. For giving your mind so much of work to do. You have to appreciate yourself first. Forgiveness comes from within. When you're able to forgive yourself, that is when you're able to empathize with your so-called abusers or your parents or your guardians or whoever that is that has been hurting you, that's trying to hurt you, who have hurt you in the past, that is when you'll be able to empathize. Because forgiving yourself or forgiveness itself, I would say it's it's not a great, thing it is actually a selfish act because when you Mm -hmm. forgive you let go and when you let go you keep your mind and your mental health your mental well-being in a in a fresh state you will not attach too many emotions to it you will live a a burden-free life you'll be light so forgiveness (laughs) is the the thing that towards the healing journey it's very very important uh, guys, uh, those that are listening to us, this conversation is really, um, Doc had just mentioned some of the most powerful tools available in a small conversation. Self-love is one of the most powerful journey you will ever go on. Learning to love yourself and forgiving, forgiving the self is the most important thing, I believe, in the journey, the first major thing, because when we do that, Oh, a new world just opened up right at that space. Jesus had a statement he said to his disciples. He said, take no thought, saying, and I remember when I finally understood what he was saying. He was saying, do not take the thoughts of the words that people come. It forms thoughts. He says, take no thought, saying. That saying piece is me agreeing with what they're saying. And so when I learned not to agree with what they were saying. It didn't land into me. It was, it just bounced off. I had a, another internal language going on as they were saying. I would say to myself, you are the most beautiful. You are, and I would encourage myself while they're throwing their stuff. I was talking to me too. Like I'm saying, no, that's not who you are. This is who you are. And so when you began to do that, the gift that you get out of that is you learn how to empathize. You learn how to forgive. You learn how to be patient. You learn how to be all of these things with yourself first. And when you are able to express and feel that first, then when anyone presents, you will be able to forgive them because you are the biggest 
um, monster to yourself than anyone else. And so if you can forgive that person, anyone else, you are able to forgive, you're able to love, you're able to empathize, you're able to be patient with. Why? Because you look back to you and you say to yourself, wow, I was, I was a mess. But once you learn that, you have that internal language. The other that she talked about is rewiring your mind. And that is how you start re uh, rewinding your, and rewiring your mind is your thought pattern. You choose which thought you give permission to, for you to begin. Because if you, you start in, uh, using powerful tools when you understand this. You started engaging your imagination. The imagination of mankind is one of the most powerful tools out there because what you imagine, you begin to pull towards you energetically. You're pulling it because you are seeing it and if you begin to see it and crystallize it clearer, it will jump up on you before you even know it. So Nock is talking about a lot of powerful tools within our conversation. And so those of you that are in your situation as Doc is in, those that parents or a husband or a wife or a friend, whatever, in dealing with the space of narcissists, I have someone that has studied that particular field and she has some understanding about it because she has personally walked that journey. And so she will be able to spot you from a conversation and she can locate you as to where you are and the words you need to hear to bring you out of that specific space you are in. Why? Because she walked it. <laughs> and because she walked it. It's all familiar to her. So, Doc, when you began to put this together, when you began to recognize what you had as you begin to move forward in your journey. I know the joy that comes up inside when you start to see those things and start putting it together. Talk to me about that space when you begin to recognize, wait a minute, I, I'm, I'm be, I, this can help people. Um, when you started to see that, what did it do to you? And how did you begin to process it to make it into a reality? seeing the pattern and I started developing this steps, techniques, tools, like you mentioned, yeah. I was very excited, yeah. very, very excited in the sense mm. that I can see a pattern. Mm. And when I started talking to people, I realized that I was not alone. Yeah. I had this natural, I had this ability to, to get people to speak out their problems. For some reason, I hear when people, they talk to me, they come and tell their problems, challenges. I don't like to use the word yeah. problem. It's challenges, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, challenges yeah. in life. And it's that, hey, I've been there. I mean, I say this in my mind. And, yeah. and I'm not alone. And there are many people yeah. out there who needs this. When I say things like do not internalize and things, for those who have not realized it, those who have not recognized it, it is not an easy task to do. Yeah. They will just say easier said than done. I'm telling you, believe me, I've been there. It's it, Now I can say it's easier said than done. But yeah. I've been there. I've been through the exact same situation. Whenever somebody says something about narcissism, I was like, oh, I, I, I resonate with this. I've been there. So that's when yeah. I started packaging this framework and putting it into you know into practical steps and guides and and at that time I was excited about it. I want to share this with people who were who are still experiencing parental narcissism, who are yeah. still experiencing this sort of an abuse. I'm I'm excited to share this message to the world, saying that I've been through this for three decades, Ken. I was yeah. I was going through this abuse at a at an age where I did not even recognize what it was. And to come out of it itself is a journey by by its own. Yeah. Yeah. But 
by looking at this framework and and develop and looking at this tools and techniques that that I have personally used and I've used it on many others out there I know for a fact that you can come out of this childhood trauma and abuse yeah. of parental narcissism it is not an impossible feat you can come out of it and because i've been there and i've done that i have this, this framework and and with with people that i know i know i can get the person out of the situation they don't need 3 decades they don't need 10 yeah, years yeah. it's in a very short mm-hmm. amount of time i can tell you exactly what you need to do to come out of it <laughs> and i'm so excited about it i'm i'm yeah. i'm internally excited about it saying that i i know i can help for a fact yeah. i know i can help them because i've seen it i've i've gone through yeah. it tell me about it you can just come and tell me you know my parents this 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 uh i i'm going through this i'm going through this like you can say whatever i i for for a fact i know i know exactly what to tell you to come out of it but the yeah. thing is first step is willingness i always yeah. emphasize this people they they tend to find a place to vent out but the mm-hmm. willingness comes from within only yeah. if you have the willingness and say you are saying this to yourself enough is enough i want to come out of this because narcissism is a vicious cycle can one yeah. thing is you have the desire to come out but if it's not strong enough the moment you take a step out you start second guessing yourself guilt shame and fear will start pulling you back yeah because that's how the cycle is we are always in constant uh, we are always constantly questioning ourselves saying that whether is this is this the right thing to do is this the right thing to do because we are conditioned as such from a very young age yeah. so if the person is willing the willingness must be there 100% i want to be out of this when you're ready to take that major step you come to me i will guide you all along the way just tell me what it is i will tell you exactly what you need to hear to come out of the situation but one thing you have to promise me is you should not second guess you should not you should not just say i am here to vent out my feelings everybody has their past can everyone has yeah. their memories their trauma and things like that but always remember whatever that has happened in the past there is a meaning behind it yes. there must be a reason why that has happened there is no point in dwelling in the past and and trying to sit at that comfort zone you know i'm yeah. this i've been a victim self pity is also a killer so only yeah. if you're ready to take charge only when you have that willingness then you come out when you come out you hold my hand firmly i will guide you through it i will guide guide you throughout the journey and i'm going to i'm going to leave it there i mean <laughs> um all of you again who have been listening to our conversation i implore you to get in touch with doc she sent out the message to cry the uh desire that is within her for to help you and to bring you from where you are that is the heart of a servant and when a servant calls to you and you hear that cry i would run run to them because that means they are ready to receive you and want to give all of them to you so um i will provide all of the information so that you can reach her because it's imperative be ready because when you come to her it's not just a vent it is to move forward it takes courage to stay because you're comfortable but it takes even more courage to go because it is the unknown but i have someone guys that have been to the unknown and know what it looks like beyond staying and she can guide you so that you do not have to stay and see the pitfalls that took her 30 years she can guide you where it will probably be a few months that you will be able to see clearly and when you get there the freedom that you will experience as an individual as a human spirit you will be 
ecstatic and you will probably create your own program and be able to become a servant as well. Doc, I want to thank you so much for coming, Resident Lankman. If the people knew the challenges that we had to put this together, um, I am so honored that you stayed because your message is a powerful one. And I want everyone to have access to you so that you can bring them to a new life um, and freedom from the narcissist world because it is a big, big need within our society today. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you so much, Ken, for having me. Thank you so very much. I'm really honored. Thank you.